lack of clarity will make a dysfunctional decision. So that, that's actually, you know, I've just thought of that because that's quite a good example. I'm, I'm not making enough money. I'm putting my rates up. But as a result of putting my rates up, I might now lose a customer I really don't want to lose. When really what you need to be managing is those lower value customers so that you stop losing there because actually, or you, you might just decide you're purely going to just deliver to those higher value customers and cut a big arm of your business again. People have real problems with that psychological problem of stopping doing business with someone, stopping that level of turnover. Welcome to the Biology of Business, where we talk about the anatomy and physiology of a business so you can apply your clinical reasoning skills to your business reasoning and create a healthy, sustainable, impactful and profitable clinic. I hope you enjoy listening and subscribe. Good morning and welcome to the Biology of Business. I'm Kate and today we have the absolute pleasure of being joined again by Richard Stone, who's joining us to talk about customer profitability in clinical care. Hello, Richard. Thank you very much for joining us today. Good morning. Thanks for having me again. Uh, I understand it's snowing where you are. It is snowing where I am. It's raining where I am, am, but it's snowing up in the hills that I can see, so that's good. It's snowing up in the hills, and you've already, it's just just November, and you've already, you've already been able to go skiing. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> no no damage yet. <laughs> <laughs> we have the first frost on the ground here this morning, but nowhere near a snowfall. So today, Richard, we're going to talk about customer profitability, something which is a very, very sensitive subject in healthcare. And money is so rarely talked about, let alone profitability. But obviously, it is vital for any business to understand where the profitability lies in their service that they offer. Well, that's absolutely right. And and this is, for me, this is one of the key subjects that I'm, you know, go on about with any client. Um, generally people will think that they're doing quite well by doing their management accounts and, and knowing whether they do or don't make some profit at the end of the month and we we shouldn't knock them for that because there's you know they're in a minority so good they know that they're making money or they're not making money great trouble is that's not terribly helpful <laughs> particularly if you're in the not making money side of the equation so we do call it customer profitability but i'm that's the nice positive title, but what we're really looking at is customer unprofitability. So, you know, it's good to know where you're making money, but it's much, much more important to know where you're not making money. And any business that just has a, a let's say, a profit at the end of the month, the question is, have we made where have we made that money? And within that profit, are there areas where we didn't make any money? Okay, and we should know that. So that's the key point, and it always is when we're talking about measurement. The real value is in knowing, because once we know something, we can make a decision about it. And this is relevant, very relevant in clinical care. You might make a decision to carry on doing something because it's the right thing to do for one reason or another. And it might not be very profitable, or it might not be profitable. But it is vital, I think, that if you're going to be making that decision, you are making that as a decision in the knowledge that you're doing it, as opposed to just doing it anyway and not having a clue, okay? So, you know, we we talk about profit. I would, it would be fair to say I'm obviously a 
proponent of the profit motive, we don't necessarily have to talk about unfettered profit. Okay, what's the point of profit? The point of profit is that a business continues. So, you know, that it becomes sustainable. If a business doesn't make money, it's not sustainable. Okay, so if a, if a clinic isn't making money, then it's not sustainable, it won't be there. So we talked about, or we mentioned the ethics of profit. The ethics of profit are, first and foremost, to continue in business and be able to serve the client or customer, okay? We do that unprofitably. Eventually, we will not be in business. Simple as that, okay? And But the key point is about knowing where we do, where we don't, make our money and then being able to concentrate on management and our decisions on those areas that are costing us money right now <clears throat> i may already have used this in a, in a previous discussion but we need the, the everybody wants to make more money it is it, you know it's, it's just written we have so many books self-help books and this and that and everything it's always about how to make more money or how to make more profit. And I have my own little saying, which is that the fastest way to make more money is to stop losing it. And there are always areas in our business where we're losing money. Okay. So people will try and sell us books on marketing and sales and how to get more clients and how to do this and how to do that. All about making, growing the business and making more money. I'm saying, well, at the same time, you've got a hole in the bucket and you're actually pouring money away. So the, the fastest way to address that is don't do it anymore. Okay? So um, nothing to do with healthcare, obviously, but uh, I did a, l a long piece of work with one of my haulage clients who had six different divisions, six different types of haulage that they did, and they were losing money. They were... 25 million turnover business losing half a million pounds a year and no one could work out well where, where, why and their data systems were such that everything was mixed up and you really it was quite difficult to find out why so we did a long project to identify and, and sort of tease out which bits of revenue went with which bits of cost etc and were able to get them down to the point where we could look at gross profit and let's remember what that means so that's the, the revenue less the direct costs associated with delivering that revenue with no admin and overhead costs associated so just we've earned this and it cost us this to deliver it which in the case of a truck is the cost of the vehicle the cost of the driver and the cost of the fuel really okay so we were able to come up with per trip roughly a good a good estimate shall we say of the amount of money made per trip okay um which yielded which with hindsight was unsurprising but you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing yielded that one of the, their divisions was losing money on every trip so once they knew that it's over to them then i've done my bit my bit is giving you the information their bit is doing something with it and they were extraordinarily decisive and closed it down and there were other good reasons around that it wasn't quite so reactive but you know they closed it down and within 18 months we're making the best part of a million pounds a year so it just changed turned the business around immediately 
because they simply stopped doing the activities that were losing money. Okay? They liked that. So they then went on using the same tools that we developed to do that, basically to manage the business by focusing every week on the lowest profitability customers. So what do you do about a lowest profitability customer? Well, you, you, you either change the price, right? Or you could stop working with them, but then no one wants to do that. So I, I, I sort of suggested to them that the best way of stopping working with them is put the price up. So either they'll pay it so you won't lose money anymore or they won't continue with you and you won't lose money anymore. So it's a bit of a win-win. So it's either a price change terms and conditions change maybe in their case i know there were some where they they did a minimum order kind of deal so that so that they were sending one truck a week instead of five <laughs> you know um so they got creative with that and, and managed their relationships with their customers such that they became more profitable at the bottom end the ones at the top end, it's not a quite wasn't really a question of squeezing more and more money out of the ones they were making money at, but being cognizant of the ones they weren't making money with. Now, here's an so here was an example. I a good example of the opposite. So I came up with one. I remember being very proud, wandering into the MD's office. That there was one particular customer they were losing a ton of money on. Okay. Every every trip they did with them, they were losing money. But he then turned around to me and said, oh, well, it's all very well. But that truck's coming back empty. So if you do the classic piece of modeling that we've just done on that customer, then the revenue doesn't cover the cost of the trip. But if we didn't pick those particular, do that particular load at that particular very attractive price to the customer, we'd be losing more money because that, truck will be coming back empty and there'd be no revenue at all right and that's about knowing your customer so that's actually quite a good example of this is about information and about making a decision they made a decision to continue losing money on that customer because actually that was actually a mis a misnomer right but there's a deliberate decision so you may make in different businesses, different deliberate decisions. There were other customers where they're like, I'm not doing that anymore. The rate goes up. Hang on, it gives them a better argument to the customer as well. It's not just I want more money. It's like, listen, I'm losing money on this business. And nobody actually, I think it's probably fair to say nobody, expects a business to lose money dealing with them. Yeah. So by having the transparency, having the information, having the knowledge, you've got the opportunity to be creative in terms of how you stop losing money and how you deliver your services, particularly to some of those lower value customers or the ones that you are losing money on. But if you don't have the, if you don't have the clarity on the information, you're hemorrhaging money, potentially thinking you're doing good, but you're not doing good if you're not going to be there by the end of the year. That's absolutely right. And and the, the most perhaps the most insidious one is where you are making money overall, right? But you're losing a lot of money in in an area. Yeah. Okay. So what do you do with that? Well, that's up to you what you do with that. You know, because at, at the end of the day, you can either 
manage the loss-making side of it and simply make more money, or you can manage the loss side of it, which might mean that you don't end up putting up your rates for everybody. Because you can imagine if you if you're not really making if you're making some money but not enough, you might think, well, I need to put my rates up. So even those customers you are making decent profit on get hit, possibly because something else is draining you of resource. Yeah. If you fully understand where you're draining resource, stop doing that. You get a proper yeah. picture. You see what I mean? So, so, so yeah. that that customer that drains you could end up making you impact a good customer. Yeah. Who you could lose because you've put your price up. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, you've got you've got a major problem because you've now lost a profitable customer, but you didn't know. Okay, and it's that it's that lack of clarity will make a dysfunctional decision. So that's actually, you know, I've just thought of that because that's quite a good example. I'm I'm not making enough money. I'm putting my rates up. But as a result of putting my rates up, I might now lose a customer I really don't want to lose. When really what you need to be managing is those lower value customers so that you stop losing there because actually, or you, you might just decide you're purely going to just deliver to those higher value customers and cut a big arm of your business again. Yeah. People people have real problems with that. Psychological problem of stopping doing business with someone, stopping that level of turnover. Okay. Now, we do have to be very careful. I talked about gross profit. Yeah. And that's right. Where we are, so if we're making, if we're losing money at gross profit, you definitely need to stop immediately <laughs> that, that transaction. Okay. But we also need to think about the concept of contribution. So even if you're not making a lot of gross profit on something, that still contributes to the overheads of your business. And if you just cut it out, you could make matters worse. So it is a you know, we you can't just ignore that the, the overhead of the business. Anything contributing to that overhead is helping you. Okay. Question is, can you make it help you a bit more? Or if you lost it, would there be some overhead that you could you could lose as well. It's always a, a fairly complicated little thing. But it still is, to me, a very simplistic fact. If I'm losing money doing business with someone, why am I doing that? Or why are you doing that? Okay, now, the question then comes, how do we measure it? Okay, now, I've said customer profitability. I always pick on customer profitability, but it, what I'm really talking about is granular profitability. I'm talking about understanding your business at a level way, way lower than profit. Understanding whether it, it, maybe that's by division, maybe it's by product, maybe it's by customer. You know, in the, in the clinical state, it's going to be by customer. Right? generally do it by customer but it's also interesting to know by other things if you were a retailer for instance you might not want to track it by customer because you're an awful lot of them but you would want to know it by product yeah if you're a, a, a scrap metal you might want to know it by product by type of metal yeah in the service, service industry unit of time can be very important as well because your overhead for salaries is usually your biggest overhead and that mm-hmm. is 
it is affected by time in terms of your buying people's time to, to, to deliver your service. So I'm presuming a unit of time is also relevant in the service industry. Well, that would be, you see, you could look, you, that's a really good idea. You could measure a clinic, not by customer, but by effectively, then you're looking at utilization, aren't you? The, you your asset there, your <laughs> sake, of, sake of argument, your machine sitting there is your clinician, right? So that's your asset. Yes, you're renting their time. How much of that time is being used profitably? Yeah. would be a very interesting measure and something you could measure. Yeah. And in fact, I remember when I was training all those years ago, that's exactly what we were being measured on. You know, you have to be charging your time all the time. Okay. It's still only one thing, though. You know, I'd, I'd still be going. That's a very good measure. Right. But again, client profitability. If somebody's coming in, it's a difficult one. If you know that when someone's in your clinic, you're making money on them, let's say, let's say you're charging them £50 an hour and you know that's making money every single time that they're in the clinic, then actually you're right. You, you're probably better working out how profitable each clinician is to the clinic than each client is to the clinic. So maybe it's you know maybe maybe that helps a clinic more, but but the point is that granular profitability. Um, yeah. I would challenge you though and say you and ask the question the other way around: In what way could a client not be profitable? So we had a, a, a discussion earlier. Let's take it away from the physio clinic, and we talked about you know let's. I did some work with a GP. Now a GP practice is getting a fixed amount of money per year per per registered patient so for them the more time the patient spends with the gp the less profitable they are so that then they're not really looking at the gp's time they're looking at the, the time they spend per unit of revenue if you like so if you get someone like me to date my life to date <laughs> might change. I very rarely go and see the doctor. Don't, luckily, don't need to. So I'm pretty profitable. Yeah. Who's sitting at home a bit lonely and you know, whatever and enjoys the company and goes every week. She's not profitable. And the discussions we had with the GPs were how they identify the anti-flows and, and put something in place to fulfill the real need that they have, maybe even at the clinic's cost or the, the practice's cost, where maybe several anti-flows get together and have that social interaction that they were actually looking for. And that helps the practice become more profitable. Yeah? So that's an example where but that's the client because they have a fixed revenue. Where you are, where a physio is, and I'm asked, I'm not convinced of this, but if we proved that every time a client is in clinic room being treated, that that's a profitable transaction, then yes, you're right. Let's turn the granularity around and put it on the the provider of the service. So the well, if I'm understanding correctly, it's making sure, well, we've already identified that you need to have the information, but also making sure when you gather the information, 
once you've gathered it, you look at it from different perspectives to be able to actually conclude which is the most useful to you. So whether it's based on client or quite often service category in terms of many clinics will have a range of different services that cost different amounts of money at different time time consumption, or whether it's by clinician or whether it is just by unit of time. But you need to look at those numbers from multiple perspectives to be able to make sure that you're making the right decisions for the health of your practice to stop losing money. Because then you truly know where you are hemorrhaging and and, and can do something about it. I got to do about it after. Let's pick up your point. So you've got a clinician, you're paying that clinician, and you and and let's sort of play with that. And you decide that really they're not utilized enough. Okay. So let's take a couple of forks in the road here. And I'm I'm guessing, so you may have to correct me, right? But either you haven't provided them with enough customers. So they're sitting around twiddling their thumbs because there's not enough demand for their time. And that would be a marketing and a sales issue. Or maybe they've got an allocated half an hour with every customer and and they're taking 45 minutes and they're not getting through the customers in the right amount of time. And and so effectively you're giving them, I don't know, bad numbers, but you're giving them eight customers a day when they should be seeing 10. And that's a slightly dodgy subject, of course, because, you know, have we given them the right amount of attention, et cetera, but that, is the skill that you need to manage. How do you do that in the time available? Or why should you be giving them it? If they take longer, why is that time for free? If I'm paying you for an hour appointment, half an hour appointment, and I'm there for 45 minutes, why do I get that 15 minutes for free? Yeah, and unless it's that, I know that's complicated. It's taken longer because... But those would be the things I would have thought that operationally you'd be managing very, very tightly. Why did this take longer? Was this because the customers presented in a different way or you just had a good chat? I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you're back to the social contact bit that some people will enjoy that social contact. And I'm absolutely sure that a large part of a clinician's job satisfaction is the social contact and i know i know it a friend of mine um very good friend of mine it was an osteopath um and he's taken early retirement and doing his own thing but the thing he misses he doesn't miss he doesn't miss manipulating people he misses talking to them so clearly it's part of what you know a clinician enjoys and there must be a temptation, especially with a regular patient, to spend a bit more time. And that time's costing the clinic owner. Yeah. So the point I being- know there's an argument that it's not because you get the repeat business, and we have to consider all that. And that's that's why I, I keep whoever I talked about this is stress is on decisions, the stress is on knowledge, the stress isn't on just because you're not making as much money as the model says you should, right, that that's a good or a bad thing and that that there's no, you just said, in that customer. It isn't about that. It is about having that depth and richness of 
of information that you make an informed and therefore more likely to be correct choice about what management action to take. And, yeah, and, and, the information allows you to make decisions and get creative. I think that was the thing that you really mentioned with the college in that once you can see where the problems are, you know, I mean, you're going to, well, you might choose to close practices and you might choose to let staff go. But you also might come up with other creative solutions in terms of how you're going to, to handle the situation, to stop hemorrhaging money and get back on a, a on a on in, into a profitable place. Something you've touched on before, Richard, is how important it is to make sure that you do know um, again where you're losing money, so that the profitable customers are not paying for those that are costing the practice. Correct. And I think that's. As we said, and to reiterate it, it the, sel- the, the selfish reason for that, I mean, we shouldn't do it anyway, but the selfish reason for that is you don't want to lose those customers. You, know, you don't want to um, penalise a profitable customer because you don't understand where the problem is and then lose that profitable customer. You know, you shouldn't be, in a way, you know, I'm not saying you shouldn't be, but in a way, you go into a clinic and there'll be a rack rate per hour to see a clinician. And then you're not making enough money, so you put that rack rate up. Well, I need more revenue, therefore I'm going to go from 50 quid an hour to 75 quid an hour, and I know I'm exaggerating to illustrate, right? And then a load of patients go somewhere else. And they were the ones you were making money on in the first place. That might not be a great analogy for, for a clinic, but it would be a very good analogy for a, for a trading business. Imagine if your haulier just put their rates up because they weren't making enough money. They were losing half a million a year, so they put all their rates up and lost a load of profitable customers. You can make the matter worse. Whereas actually just not doing some of their business would have solved the problem. Yeah. So that's how people can get into a complete pickle and think that they're doing the right thing for the business and actually and kill it because you've, so of, you've killed the profitable people. One of the obvious examples in a clinic setting would be there's some very, very low value insurance com- contracts. And then obviously some people will self-fund. And one of the things that clinic owners can do instead of facing a difficult discussion with the insurance company and perhaps making a difficult decision of simply not working with that insurance company anymore. They will increase their price for the self-funder who is in actual fact funding the person that has the low-value insurance company contract to equalise or to raise what their average hourly rate is, whereas really they could need to address those low-value contracts. Well, I think that's a perfect example. I mean, at that point, the insurance company is really the customer, in a way, right? So again, how who is who is? There's a question: Who is the customer, right? Yeah. In that case, potentially the, the insurance company, in a way, is the customer, and they're a bad customer. You know, there are apocryphal tales, aren't there, of manufacturers? The apocryphal tale, the urban myth is that a customer will work for a large, big company who take more and more and more of their capacity and then start to drive the price down. And then they end up in a position where they're, they're, they're unprofitable and you know they, they can't carry on. 
And as I stress, that's an apocryphal tale. Does it happen? Yes. Does it happen that people get a a low concentration of big customers who drive the price down? And actually, that ruins their business. That happens a lot. And it happens because people don't understand that they are not profitable because it's a big headline number. They don't, and the, the hardest thing in the world is to get it. Well, in the world, that's a silly thing to say, but the hardest thing in this process is to get a business owner to give up a big customer or, or go to a big customer and say, if we can't achieve this result, I'm going to stop doing the business. So there can be a chore in terms of getting the information and get and, and being able to reveal and see the data from numerous perspectives. Then there can be the pain of the decision, but that is eased by actually having information to be able to make informed decisions. But you've still got to find the courage to have the conversations that are going to be required to get your practice to being in that the most healthy and valuable state for both you, your team, and your clients. Mm. And, and you know, again, if we all go back to why are we in business? Now, why are we in business? Well, as a clinic, you're in business probably to serve your patients first and foremost. So that's where, you know, profit is not a bad thing. Profit is a good thing. Unfettered profit may not be quite such a good thing. And that 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 then starts to, you know, that's a different discussion. That's about your, your ethical and moral perspective. But let's look at it right now. You know, wh- where are we right now in late 2022? It is possible socially that there are some large businesses making unfettered profits off the public at large. That cannot be right. All right. And what you do about that is much longer more difficult political argument but but there is an element of unfettered profit making and we all know it when we see it and it's not right but a reasonable amount of profit is absolutely necessary or you have you have no future you have nothing to invest you have you know you look at your clinic even i talk about paying bills but what do you want to do as a patient do you want to go into a clinic that has all the latest equipment and is clean and bright and and a nice place to go? Or do you want to go into a seedy, dark, dingy place with not very much equipment in it? And we all know what the answer is, but but someone's going to pay for it. You know, know, it's a personal thing. I know we've discussed it, but here in Switzerland, when I went off to my eye clinic, I couldn't believe the quality of the place, which is, again, not to, to denigrate anything else. It just was quite astonishing. Well, someone's paid for that, me and everyone else, you know? And so, again, profit doesn't have to mean that the clinic owners taking it all and put it in their own bank account. That's what they have available to reinvest in the business and make it a better place for the patient to come. Yeah. So let's look at the flip side. If you're not making profit, you can't invest. You can't improve. You can't, you you know, that's where we get down to personal choice. Profit's not a bad thing. What you do with it might be another another question. Yeah. 
that's where we look at our personal approach and, and morals. And, you know, if you have a clinic owner that says, well, I'm on the side of my patients more than on the side of my bank account, well, great, make the profit and reinvest it in the business and make you won't do that if you're losing money and you won't do and you won't stop that until you know where and it's true of any business any i can't think of a business where it's not true unless it's just it's impossible to lose money and i'm 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 met one yet thank you very very much for your time and your perspective and for joining us today Richard. very welcome forward seeing you again next month okay thank you very much thank you so much for listening if you found this content valuable here are four ways i can help you grow your practice for free firstly grab a copy of how to create a super successful practice plan at marchandmethod.com forward slash grow and whilst you're there you can check out the free training that'll help you tackle common problems practice owners just like you face Thirdly, at marklandmethod.com forward slash grow, you can sign up for my free newsletter where I send out weekly hints and tips. You'll also get links to the podcast, articles and other resources that you might find helpful and inspiring as you grow your practice. And finally, please leave a five-star review so I can access more influential guests and bring their lessons back to you here.